Hey, welcome back. Another episode here of our uh, podcast where we're trying to uh, uh, describe and share why we do what we do in the emergency department. All right. I think this episode, we're going to talk about urinary tract infections in young kids. All right. And I think there are a, a couple areas that uh, are worth uh, focusing on, on when the, the communication uh, um, back and forth might be of value. And just so we understand. So urinary tract infections in kids are much different than in adults, right? Uh, caring for adults, um, you know, stereotypically, you know, someone from a nursing home with a urinary tract infection, goodness, we don't get a hold of that quickly. They're going to get uroseptic and end up in the in the MICU, right? But uh, urosepsis in kids is is really rare. I guess through the years I've heard of a couple cases, an infant, uh, uh, a teen, or something, but for the most part, uh, um, we just don't see that. Certainly, it's a bacterial infection. We want to diagnose it and treat it, uh, but left if we delay our diagnosis, if we if we don't catch it early, uh, the kids are going to end up with a, uh, an abscess or um, call it a focal renal abscess. Um, you know, that's usually the worst thing that happens. It's a big deal, right? But it's not uh, urosepsis and whatnot. But anyway, so we want to diagnose it, uh, um, but it's not as like I say, not as time sensitive. And who are we talking about? Right. We're talking about boys before their first birthday, so 0 to 12 months, girls before their second birthday, all right, up to 24 months. And I said 0, well, I don't really mean that, do I? Because the 0 to 2 month olds we talked about, all those kids are going to get a cath urine as part of their evaluation. And so older than 2 months, and then up to, again, boys first birthday, girls second birthday. How often do we see urinary tract infections in kids? Well, the data says that in boys, it's about 3% of uh, all febrile boys showing up to, uh, you know, some of the emergency departments where they did these studies, um, uh, compared to uh, 5 to 10% of girls up to, to 24 months. And it's a little interesting. I don't know what to make of it, but there's a couple studies saying there's a racial difference. So uh, white girls, about 10% chance of positive urine cultures, whereas non-white females, uh, about 5%. So... Uh, um, uh, again, this, this racial difference, don't know what to make of it. Uh, girls more likely than boys. One of the things to keep in mind, right, uh, that you know, why do kids get these is if they have a, a, an abnormal urinary tract. And so uh, kids less than a one year old uh, who have a urinary tract infection, up to about 40% of the time, uh, they may have an abnormal urinary tract. So a single kidney, duplicated ureter, vesicoureter reflux, something like this. And so kind of an anatomic predisposition to UTIs. And so that's why we, you know, a couple of reasons why we worry about kids in this age group. All right, so we're going to worry about these kids in this age group. How are we going to decide who to calf? Right? Unfortunately, symptoms are pretty nonspecific. And specific symptoms are pretty uncommon. Yes, if a nine-month-old has dysuria, uh, that, that, that much more likely that they have a UTI. However, the, no, the, the percentage of kids with UTIs who have dysuria is very small. Most of these kids are going to be, you know, bubble-blowing, playing with stickers uh, kind of kids who, uh, uh, hey, look at this, they have a really dirty urine. And so that's why it's really hard to narrow down and pick who we're going to check and who we're not going to check. If we've decided to get a uh, to to get a, a urine, 
boy, a bag's just really not acceptable. All right. Um, and those studies have been done. Uh, there's just, uh, no matter how well you clean, uh, there's always contamination. And uh, so we just can't do it. Again, you know, the, the downside, right? So if we overdiagnose UTIs, then uh, are we going to, so, you know, if, a, if we treat a kid as though they have a UTI and they actually didn't, it was just a contaminant. Hey, hey are we going to put this kid through an ultrasound, an avoiding cystourethrogram? So a VCUG, yeah, you go to radiology, they put a catheter in your bladder and then blow it up under pressure to see if uh, a fluid goes up into your kidneys. And so we don't want to put kids through these uh, studies un unless it's mandatory. And so that's why we don't want to have any false positives. And that's why we can't do bag urines, right? So catheterized or midstream, right? Because that's usually what happens, right? You're cleaning the kid and starts to pee. You catch some of that midstream. That's okay. Please do me a favor and make sure that the, that we order a urine culture on all these kids. And really any child less than five uh, who are checking a urine for a UTI, we should, there, there should be a culture. The order uh, from the lab often will be a, a UA with reflex culture. And what that means is if the urinalysis is abnormal, then they'll, then they'll, they'll get a culture. But if the urinalysis is normal, then a culture will not be performed. The trouble with that is that if we take all kids who are going to have positive urine cultures, maybe 20% of those kids will have had a normal urinalysis. So 20% of the kids who have UTIs, their urine will be normal. And if we just got a reflex culture, the culture wouldn't be performed. All right. And so for that reason, yeah, if we can make sure that, that uh, uh, when it's ordered, that the, there is a, a, a culture regardless, right? That'd be great. That'd be really helpful. Right. And so, uh, um, so who are we going to get urine cultures on? All right. Who are going to get urine catheterizations on? And this is where you're going to see some practice variation uh, among uh, uh, attendings. Again, there's some literature, uh, some articles saying that any child who shows up the emergency department with a fever in these age groups, we ought to be getting a urine. And then there's some other of us, and I'm in this group, where... Boy, the kid's got 20 minutes worth of fever. Uh, um, am I really going to catheterize this kid? Because, you know, parents got a call from daycare, said he's got a fever. They rush him in. Um, he just hasn't had a chance to develop a snotty nose or his viral rash or something like that. And so I, I often will give uh, 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 wait a little bit and wait until uh, the kid's two or three days into his febrile illness until he or she, uh, um, if, if they're this far in and they have not developed viral symptoms, that's when I'll check. Right. But again, you know, so uh, different people will do it a little bit differently. Some people will do it early because they want to know, right? Hey, if I know you have a UTI, then I know you don't have any of these other things. Right. Other people uh, just want to know early on because that's what these articles recommend. Right? And so, so that's why you're going to see variation. Uh, hey, why today and not yesterday kind of thing. Right. Now, all right, hey, we've got the urine that looks like the kid's got a UTI. What are we going to do with them? So what are admission criteria? So first admission criteria is if the child has a known urinary tract abnormality. And this is a bit of a logical fallacy, isn't it? So the kid comes in, has UTI, looks good. You send home. Uh, um, they get studied. Turns out they have a single kidney. Now with their second urinary tract infection, they're going to get admitted. But the first one, they went home. Does that make sense? No, not really. Uh, but anyway, so uh, a logical fallacy. But 
uh, if a kid has a known urinary tract abnormality. So they have vesicoureter reflux um, and uh, have UTI, that kid's going to come in. The other reason for admission, and I, I kind of suggested it before, is, co- is constitutional symptoms. Uh, they feel too crummy to hydrate themselves. They just look too punky, uh, look too lousy. Uh, that's going to get you in. Right? But the child doesn't look too bad, able to keep the medicines down, able to drink a little bit. Uh, uh, we don't know that they have an abnormal urinary tract. Uh, then they can go home. So anything else uh, to talk about with UTIs? Well, so just, you know, since uh, uh, I thought I'd just mention briefly, so kids with neurogenic bladder, uh, you know, like kids with myelomeningocele, um, uh, so the, the uh, self-caths or parents doing the catheterizations, these are a little bit of a challenge as well because they will often be colonized or have uh, an abnormal urine on your analysis. And so sometimes uh, with these kids, so we want to get some urine, we want to get a catheterized urine, uh, sometimes even with a dirty urine, we may not treat and may await culture results. All right. Uh, again, trying to minimize the courses of antibiotics. Uh, the, they're all kind of colonized. You can sit and you can talk about epithelial adhesion factors and stuff like this. Uh, uh, but sometimes these neurogenic bladder kids, we treat a little bit differently. And then the second thing about urines, uh, again, you know, you'll, you'll sometimes hear me uh, pimp the students, is uh, um, sterile pyuria. When can you have an abnormal urine, so white cells in your urine, uh, and it's not a UTI? And so the classic test questions uh, for the students are, you know, if you have appendicitis can sometimes cause a sterile pyuria. Kawasaki's, you can have uh, an abnormal urinalysis, uh, but don't have a UTI. So there's a couple things like that. So just, you know, kind of quiz questions. A little bit of trivia there for you. All right. So anyway, I hope this kind of explains kind of the thought process around uh, urinary tract infections, points out a couple areas of uh, um, practice variation, and uh, kind of uh, explains kind of the age groups we're thinking about. All right. Get me if you have any questions about this. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.